arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology. The arrest happening exactly 39 years to the day when Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her, and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. I think it ends a little bit too abruptly there, huh? Yeah, I think so. So it's just you and I on here, Jeff. <laughs> we'll get there. So how was your day today? Uneventful. Day off. Yesterday was a little bit slow at the bar. But we'll get there as well. I got to work. Got fun, fun, fun. So, so fortunate. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe we should have a little bit of a longer timer. Maybe like a something like a minute or two. Just to, I did to get let to, people pop in. I did get to work with my best buddy Stacy at work today, so that was good. <laughs> Throwing her a shout out. She said she's gonna try to watch. <coughs> oh, okay. So you got ten people in here now. How's everyone doing tonight? Oh, that's right. And we do have also when we get yeah, to the, so we're, when we start talking about uh, the cases. We don't actually have a guest tonight, so you have to listen to Jeff and I just talk. Yeah, it's guests. just us fools. But we'd we're like gonna, you guys to join in. Yeah, we'd love to have you guys join in, make some comments, ask some questions, maybe bring up a case or two that you're interested in. Uh, you could also give us a call here at 207-619-2661 if there's something you want to talk about or a question you may have. But Yeah, I think that's probably what we're going to be getting for now. All right, so do you have anything before we start, Jeff? No, 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 no. Take a sip. There you go. So tonight's case, we're going to focus on Roger Day. It's not a whole lot of information about his case. Uh, Roger went missing October 4th, 1973 from Proctor, Maine. Roger and his siblings were at home. His mom had left to go to work. They were eating breakfast, and he told his siblings he was going to go to the Freiburg Fair. By the way, I spelled Freiburg wrong, I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> There's no confirmed sighting of Roger at the fair. However, there was some people that said they believe they had seen him there. So we don't know if he, you know, was injured on the way to the fair or if someone picked him up, took a ride from a stranger that obviously meant to give him uh, do harm to him. Uh, his father for years would still go to the Freiburg Fair, Jeff, and, and look to see if he could find his son because he had the hope that Roger had gone away and uh, ran off with the circuit or the, the fair that'd be a carny. So a few years after his dis disappearance, the family had realized that one of their neighbors, the guy lived like two or three houses down um, was a pedophile. He had been arrested for assaulting other children. Um, and I guess the police believe that he may be involved as well. In 2013, they used ground penetrating radar in his basement and they found an anomaly 
they got a warrant to dig that basement up. Unfortunately, Roger was not found. It's lots of uh, things on web sleuths talking about the case, wondering, you know, did he? First of all, I don't think he could have ridden a bike all the way from Proctor to Freiburg Fair. As you can see here, it's it's a twenty mile ride. So that's that's a hell of a ride on a bicycle. To do that on a bike, that's a what three hour ride anyway. Yeah. So I wonder if he really did think he had a ride there. You know, the neighbor could have used that to entice him. You know, hey, Roger, I'll give you a ride to the Freiburg Fair today. You want to hang out with me? But I'm, I'm assuming his bicycle is missing, right? Because So I had remembered reading that they had found his bicycle. Today, mm -hmm. when I was researching again, I didn't find anything about the bike. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if the, the bike was missing, he could have... You know, been expecting to go to someone's house and you know they'll i was gonna go with them they'll give me a ride sort of deal um or someone just picked them up along the way and this case is one of the ones i wanted to cover you know when we first started this um i had spoken with a friend of mine that was from that area he followed that that case closely he actually knows the fan um, at one point he tried to get me in contact with him but it didn't seem like we could ever make anything work yeah so this you know, it's crazy to think a 14-year-old kid can just skip school one day and never be seen again. What do you guys think, the viewers? Well, you got eight viewers right now, but what do you guys think happened to Roger Day? Yeah, I can't see. Uh, how old was he when he went missing? He was 14 years old. Right. I mean, well, maybe back in the, back in the 70s, I don't know. Uh, you know, when I was riding bikes in the 90s, the furthest I was allowed to ride my bike was, what, two or three miles away? About it. Well, let's see. In 1990, I had my license. Um... <laughs> the old so, man. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say something. I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the things, too, right, Jeff? We've heard this in other stories about that time. There's a lot of like serial killers around picking up people because everyone was hitchhiking. You know, young girls would be picked up and never be seen from again. Right. That was just a right. common thing in the 70s, I guess. Not so much nowadays. Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot. Oh, Sherry is a. Uh, he lived in my town. I think he hitchhiked to Freiburg Fair. Not sure after that. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make more sense that he would want to want to hitchhike, you know, ride his bike for a little bit and, uh, you know, stick out a thumb, see if someone would pick him up, uh, or at least for the ride back, he'd have a way to get there faster. If, uh, Sherry, have do, you, give him a ride. Sherry do you know if his bike was ever found? Cause I could have sworn I read that, you know, a couple years ago when I was researching the case. Lots of locals headed that way. She wasn't sure about the bike. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it seems strange that he would you know, not take his bike away, right? To get started. Yeah. And then maybe give up and say, screw this, I'm going to hitchhike. 
I'm lazy. I would. I'd, I'd start with a ride. <laughs> so I'm going to read through. Uh, this is on Whereabouts Still Unknown. Uh, it's a website that talks about different missing people, but this Roger Merton Day, age 14, went missing from Porter, Maine on October 4th, 1973. Roger vanished after telling his sister that he was going to skip school and go to the Freiburg Fair instead. Their mom had already left for work, leaving Roger and his three siblings eating breakfast and waiting for the school bus. Roger walked out of the house that day and was never seen again. Each year, Roger's father would go to the fair and search for him among the carnies on the off chance that he decided to travel with them. Like, can you just, I can almost feel that, you know, his dad hoping that he would find him one day. Every year he'd go to I the know. fair, look for him. It's crazy. <clears throat> so sad. His family knew it was an unlikely scenario, though. His sister said that Roger loved life, but had recently become temperamental, a change often associated with the teenage years. Decades later, Roger's family discovered that one of their former neighbors was a pedophile and had been accused of numerous sexual assaults. The family was unaware that he was a pedophile at the time, but looking back, they suspect Roger may have been one of his victims. In one article, it suggested that the neighbor may have been the cause of his recent changed behavior, speculate that Roger may have told the man he was going to report him. While police were unwilling to comment on this theory, their actions indicate that the neighbor is indeed a person of interest. They searched the property on Route 25 in 2013, property belonging to the same neighbor. Ground penetrating radar indicated an abnormal... Uh, wow. Ground penetrating radar indicated an abnormally... Ab Abnormality? Thank you. Okay. No idea why I can't say that. Abnormality underneath the basement floor, but nothing was found as the result of ensuing dig. I'm usually a pretty good reader, too. I wonder if Roger had known interactions with his neighbor. Did he spend time at the neighbor's house? Perhaps he had a child near Roger's age who would invite him over. I asked the question because it seems unlikely that a 14-year-old boy could be forcibly abducted in this own uh, on his own street in broad daylight. This theory would make much more sense if the neighbor was driving Roger and possibly his own child at the fair. I suppose it's also possible that Roger made it to the fair on his own, encountered the neighbor, and accepted a ride home. The fair itself, I think, would be too populated for an abduction to occur. Roger's yeah, sister I mean, continues if, to if search gets, for the truth about what happened to her brother. If it gets to the point, right, where he's at the fair, um, the still singling out the neighbor thing um doesn't hold as much weight like it would make sense for him to get a ride from his house to the fair but from the fair back like he could have run into anyone to give him mm -hmm. a ride back so like like it's almost grasping at straws if it gets to the point where he's at the at the fair you know if he did actually make it to the fair right he's more likely it would be it would be at at home but sherry uh also said his dad never missed a year he was a good man uh that i knew well yeah, I can't imagine. <clears throat> yeah, I'd be I'd be devastated. Does anyone wanna call in or ask any more questions about Roger's disappearance before we move on to the active missing? All right. 
No, it's just our beautiful faces. There you go. That's one way to say it. <laughs> what are some cases you guys are following? The cases that interest you in state, out of state. See, Jeff, this is why I always have someone here to interview. It's much easier to, to do that. Let them do all the talking. We just throw out a few <laughs> questions. Uh, we are going to, going to interview um, the family of Luja Belanger next week. And then mm -hmm. the following Wednesday, we'll be interviewing Christy Renee. And she's going to be talking about um, Diana Estes' case. I couldn't remember Diana's first name. I apologize. Well, actually, Graham is who we're talking about next, and Alex Jackson. Yeah, Alex Jackson we talked about last week. That's a crazy case. I don't know what to think. Uh, you see a lot of people pointing fingers that the family knows more than they're saying. Some people think that he may be hiding. Uh, others think that foul play is involved. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot... A lot going on with that. It was a bit of an intense uh, live stream last week with that. A lot of yeah, if you, a lot of questions. If you didn't watch it yet, make sure you go back and watch that one. It was pretty good. Yeah, we had the. I think it was about an hour, wasn't it? We had the his mother and sister was talking with us. Um, yeah, I'm still not sure what to think about any of that. All right, so here's an active case going on right now. Graham Locker is a 38-year-old male, 5'11", 190 pounds. Uh, so he was at the Dorothy Dix Psychiatric Center on June 6, 2022, when he bolted from uh, the young lady that was taking him for walks. He typically took one walk a day, uh, never had an issue that day. He asked if he could have another walk, and that's when he unfortunately bolted from her. Uh, we did talk to Graham's mom, Tammy, uh, I think it was last year about, yeah, obviously, um, last year about the case. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that, make sure you pull that up. I can't quite read my thing here. Let me go full screen. <laughs> the last seen Bangor, Maine, wearing dark Carhartt-like work clothes, black boots, and black rimmed prescription glasses. If you know anything about the case, Bangor Police Detective Jordan Perry is the one that's heading that up. It can be reached at 207-947-7382. Graham has never held a job, never maintained his own household, or driven a car. He has no history of substance abuse, violence, or suicidal behavior, but has impaired judgment and delusions that place his life in jeopardy. He's yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of a tough conversation with his mom. He's a, he's actually quite a, he's quite a gifted guy. Um, like he likes to read. He, he knows, uh, he would read a lot of, uh, philosopher, uh, poetry. Like he like he was into art. I believe, I believe he was into art at least. I could, could be wrong. Well, I mean, poetry, I guess that's, um, yes, yeah, she has shown us some pictures he'd drawn, drawn, right? Okay. I thought so. I thought so. I just, I didn't want to confuse that with someone else. Um, but he did he did run off once before as well, right? Um, not too long before that. Yeah, just a few um, months before this last mm -hmm. time. 
he was located yeah. fairly quickly. But he he was prone to episodes of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it like almost conspiracy theory type, but like he felt like like he wasn't safe, um, so he he wanted to to leave. And actually, this place he now again I don't want to be confusing this. I believe that this place here, or maybe it was another place, he didn't actually want to leave. Like they were threatening to remove him. Was it from this place? They thought they were going to have to remove yeah, him. Yeah, he actually, it seemed like he liked being there and uh, the freedoms that he did have on that campus. Uh, Graham does have autism uh, and suffers from schizophrenia as well. Here's a picture of Graham, a little bit younger, but shaved in case, you know, you run across him and he's shaved his beard. I actually driving on uh, Capitol Street or State Street in Augusta uh, a couple days ago. I drove by this guy and he's got a long beard. You know, it's like a dreadlock beard, which I'd never seen. Usually I see like dreadlock hair, right? But the beard was dreadlock. Yeah. And he had long hair and he had glasses on. I'm like, I had to turn around and come back to make sure that wasn't Graham. I'm always looking for these guys that are missing, though. I'm actually going to show you guys. So here's a video that his mom had posted on her page. Uh, just so you can kind of see how Graham walked, uh, his mannerisms. And also he's going to uh, be dictating a poem he wrote. So you get to actually hear his voice as well. It has a fairly distinct gait to his walk too. So let's see. Is that on your screen, Jeff? Yeah, I see it. You kind of see the way he walks. His toes kind of point out a little bit. Ignorance. There is so much I am ignorant of. I see only to imagine, and if to know, then only to fragmentate. I may know, but I am limited by experience and extraction. Why then to worry when, as it is, I have what I have, though I must know more? And as a fragmentary mind sees things ineffectually, it must come to see better. All right, that go off. Okay. Yeah. So that's. It makes it real, right? Like you see the, his picture and you imagine in your own head the type of guy he is and, and his mannerisms. But when you actually see him walking, you see his movements, you hear him talk. It just makes it so much realer. His housing unit. That's what... Yeah, I'm not sure. Let's probably talk about like what he liked. We're talking about... um 
him liking it. Yeah. Man would have responded better. Yeah, there's... I mean, it... Yeah, that's the... The situation was just about everything because I didn't... I didn't really see much about this sort of... Uh, about him um, going missing until Travis had mentioned it. And yes, yes, he, yeah, he lived in a group home. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, 38-year-old man uh, goes missing and it's... Some people just don't seem to, to pay as much attention to it as they maybe should have. Now, what the photo wasn't this photo here actually was that the first time that he'd gone missing or was this after was was the one with the orange hat i think it was the current time missing. right he was yeah because they because he, he actually had a, a debit card or something right that he had used and um i don't think that but oh, okay he um he was seen quite a few times that first couple of days and his hat mm. was left in bangor they found his hat um, right on a curb in Bangor, I guess. Sorry, I was looking that up. The... Smallman post an update a little while ago. Oh, right, right. I literally had that and was telling you about it earlier, and then mm -hmm. now it's disappeared off my phone. Um, well, if you can't find it. It was roughly that they believe that his main care uh, was uh, Jillian. I if Jillian should call in so we can interview her about Graham. She seems to know a lot about his case. Um, okay, so he had no personal items. Um, yeah, his uh, main care was was reactivated or used, right? Yeah, that's the post I'm trying to find. Not sure why I can't. Let me do it now. It's because we're live here. <laughs> oh, Jillian's saying it was a mistake. Is that why you can't find it? Was the post removed? That would have been pretty significant. Yeah, my gosh, I can't believe I can't find it. No, Jillian's saying it's 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 up still. It's on the missing page. Because I thought I saw it on Tammy's page, but maybe that was the video that I was grabbing from there. I'm not sure I'm crazy about this music. <laughs> Let me see. All right. Jillian, you're going to have to come on here now and, and read what that <laughs> says because it was pretty important stuff. Uh, they talk about like um, possible sightings. They talk about his uh, services may have been used. Um, man, oh, man. Jillian, please save me. Um, 
Okay, no, I'm, I'm seeing it now. Uh, All right, good. You can go over it then. But I'm wondering if this might be what they're saying about it being an accident and everyone got the the letter. Um, but this is this is what the post says. Uh, Our hopes soared in October when it looked like my missing disabled son, Graham Locker, had access to medical services somewhere. All of these things happened last month. I got a letter from the state of Maine telling me Graham's main care had been reinstated. The state had discontinued it months earlier when I couldn't tell them where it was. Uh, a possible sighting that involved a man matching Graham's description being transported by an ambulance was reported to us. The witness said he had even thought the man had given him his name as Graham. I received an email in Graham's uh, main health portal asking, how did we do? As if Graham had received a service and they wanted to know if, if he was satisfied. Long story short, none of these tantalizing tips paid off. We were unable to find any information about the ambulance transport. The state of Maine reversed its earlier decision for no known reason, and the email from Maine Health was the equivalent of spam, i.e., if you ever do receive uh, services from in the future uh, and do get an email from us asking for feedback, please do answer it. Um, after all that disappointment, we had... Uh, one second, I'll share this, actually, the screen so that people can see this at real time. Um, Facebook. Let me get there to that. I'm going to have a bunch of my nonsense on here. Oh, no. Okay, it's not sharing anything crazy. Um, Thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, another tan line tips paid off. Da -da, blah, after all that disappointment, we had even worse news. A corpse was found in Brewer, and the state's medical examiner was checking DNA to see if it was my son's. Only yesterday did we learn that the remains found were not Graham's. We are so relieved the, uh, the body was found was not Graham's, but we feel for the family uh, whose worst nightmares will be confirmed. Does Here's anyone know what that who the body was that was found? Have they announced that yet? Does anyone know? Um, and here's a, no, you're good. Uh, here's a full list of possible sightings reported to us in October. This is just for October. October 2nd, um, uh, food coop, Blue Hill, unresolved. October 5th, ball field near, uh, Wilson Street, Arcane Road, Brewer, unresolved, delayed report. Uh, August 15th, sighting involved in ambulance transport. Davenport Park, Bangor, eliminated, ID'd by us, not to be Graham. Uh, Cascade Park, Bangor, eliminated, ID'd by us, not to be Graham. Walgreens, same thing. Um, Route 1, unresolved. Kennedy Memorial Drive, Waterville, eliminated, IDBS, and police as not being Graham. Weston Ave in Augusta, unresolved. DNA requested, Jess Body and Brewer determined not to be Graham. Uh, Sabatis Street, Lewiston, unresolved. Many thanks to everyone who continues to keep an eye out and report all possible sightings to us. They're doing a... I don't, is this Graham's mom that's doing this, or is this... Um, I don't know whoever it is. Whoever it is that's running this page is doing a very good job of, of keeping things updated and timelines. Um, yeah, I, I won't know be surprised if it's Graham's mom. She's, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she, she's a very, uh, very smart, well-spoken lady too. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is her. And I think Brandy, and I can't think of, I'm sorry, Brandy, I can't remember her last name, but um, she's helped a lot there as well. So... Uh, Jillian, what assistance plus is yours? There's a few state, right? But thank you for posting his uh Graham's on my digital sign assistance plus. So I assume his missing poster. So thank thank you so much. 
yeah, that's that's got to be such a roller coaster with all of that just in October alone of the possible sightings. But it's good that people are you know paying attention, that people are are looking and that they're reporting what they think they see. So absolutely. Like, yeah. I think there's an assistance plus on Bangor Street, maybe in Augusta. What cases are you guys looking into? What cases are you following? I know we talked about Alex Jackson earlier. Still a strange case. I was on Google Earth last night, like nine o'clock, trying to look at different places and leads um, where a truck could be hidden or or uh, gone off the road or anything like that. Unfortunately, Google isn't really good about updating. Oh, she's in Benton. Okay. We'll give a shout out to Assistance Plus in Benton. Um, you guys do a lot of good work. My wife is a drug and alcohol counselor as well, and she is amazing with her clients. I'm sure you, as you are. Angel Tony Torres. Do you know this case, Jeff? No, no I'm not familiar with it. Um, he's. Most people believe that he's uh, involved with the Oh my gosh, Ashley Willett. Wow. See, I'm getting old. I used to have all these names right here. So Ashley Willett I'm, was found on, on Pine oh, Point Scarborough. Road in Scarborough. Uh, you know, deceased. Um, and Angel had told his parents that he knew who had killed her. And then like within a week later, he came up missing. Oh, That's a good one, actually. Maybe I should reach out to Angel's mom and dad. I know they they do do quite a few interviews. Uh, let's see. You know, I'd like to actually is get Ashley's mom on here, or mom and dad, and and Angel's parents too. That would be pretty incredible. Twenty-four years since it happened. Now. How many? Thirty-four years. A uh, tw- twenty-four. Twenty-four. Oh, twenty-four. Oh, okay, I was gonna, like, yeah, it's... thirty-four years. <laughs> You're old. You're not that old. Don't I'm worry. Get old. Uh, what a sad yeah, case that is, too. And and actually, well, that case is easily solved. I mean, I'm not a PI, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the Sanborns. Well, we can we can go over that right now. We're live anyways, so let me pull up the at least the first article that popped up. Right. Um. So somebody come forward. Uh, Angel Torres, remember, 24 years after disappearance. Uh, it's been 24 years since Angel Tony Torres disappeared from the Biddeford area. He's last seen May 21st, 1999. His parents continue to plead for answers. 
someone knows where our son is. Angel's parents, Ramona and oh, Narciso uh, Torres told Maine State Police. Uh, Angel at the, was at the end of his junior year in college when he traveled from Massachusetts to Biddeford. I wasn't even from Maine. Wow. Um, Jay Carney and Jay Carney's name is also involved with uh, Ashley's case as well. The rumor is that Jay helped the brothers kind of get rid of her body. And then all is of a that sudden, the, the, the girl that was with him or that knew about it? about yeah that's the, that's the case he said he knew about uh okay. jay and tony left a party to walk down to the store and then jay came back alone without tony okay um so main state police say the night angel disappeared he was on south street in biddeford they say the man he was with jay carney yeah their key witness in angel's case died in 2015 of a drug overdose okay uh, Carney reportedly died without telling the police the whole story about what happened that night. Investigators believe foul play was involved. More than two decades later, his parents are still searching for answers. Please, somebody come forward, says Ramona Torres. You know, please come forward. Uh, think about when you put, think about when you put your children to bed. What would you feel if your son or daughter was missing? Wouldn't you want somebody to come forward? Ramona Narciso. Uh, Narcissus, I'm so terrible at this. Narciso, Torres, Angel's parents say they don't think police have any leads in the more than two decade long uh, cold case. Uh, they say their son's disappearance hasn't gotten any easier over the years. The family has offered a $20,000 reward and hopes somebody leads them to their son's remains. If anyone has any information that could result to the recovery of Angel's remains, please contact the Maine State Police 207 624 7076. Yeah, but there's there's a lot more that's not being mentioned about it in just this quick news article, is there? Right, right. Oh, well, Ashley will let. Oh, that's a new thing, so that's not even going to come up, is it? Um, do we want to go over that real quick as well? or? Yeah, sure. That works. All right, um, me... What are some other cases you guys want us to cover in the next couple weeks? Yes, it is much easier if we have someone else on here, Jeff. Interview. I don't mind this. Just going over some of these some of these cases. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> me personally. Um, so this article from the same uh, WGME thirteen. Who could Ashley killed Ashley will let police make a plea for new leads in the 1999 murder of Sako student. Um, so Maine state police have put out another plea uh, to help find a teen's killer in the anniversary of her murder. Uh, so yeah, February 10th and he was, he died what May 21st. May 21st. So, yeah. yeah. So two and a half months later. Right. Um, so was he from the area or did he just happen to to know? Was he just going to school in mass? Is that what was going on? I'm trying to remember and um, help me if I if I don't remember, but I feel like maybe he was visiting his parents, but he lived somewhere else. Okay. Um so anyways, um at three fifty seven AM on February tenth, nineteen ninety nine, a passing motorist saw a body in the middle of Pine Ro- Point Road in Scarborough. It was a body of fifteen year old. 
a mom and a teenage son the ones that found her body oh man uh it was the body of 15 year old ashley willett a sophomore at thornton academy in Saco. um she was last seen alive around 2 a.m at the home in Saco where she was spending the night police say ashley was strangled to death wow uh, in the years since, investigators say they've interviewed hundreds of people searching homes of Willett's acquaintances, but but never made any arrests. Um, and they have all these things that, all these other articles, please seek new leads. Yeah, and then, then they're talking about Angel Torres. Those, yeah, those two brothers, Sanborn brothers, that, and I can't remember who was older, the Stephen and, and I can't remember his, other bro- his brother's name, but. Uh, There's a lot of context that seems to be missing from me. Ashley had dated the older one, the older brother, and then they weren't dating anymore, but she still had a crush on Steven, or I think he was the older one. And then the younger brother actually was in love with Ashley, and who knows? Oh, man. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot lacking in the context department. Like all the other connections and stuff like that. Um, so I did have one other thing. Uh, I was going to pull up the Sanborns record, but I oh no, no, have at it, no, have at it. No, no, I, I, I was struggling there, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, this is just uh, one more thing. I, I actually had a, a few other cases that I was going to talk about missing kids and stuff like that. Um, that were fairly recent, but. Fortunately, um, they'd all been found in the last couple days, so found safe. So it's it's a good thing if we don't have stuff to talk about. I guess in the end of the day, right? Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. So this this was a uh, teenager who went missing. uh, I believe it was this year. Let me get back to that. Um. Yeah, in June of this year, Keshawn Williams, uh, or Keyshawn, um, Cleveland, Ohio, 15 years old. Um, and it does give vehicle information here. A black uh, Jeep SUV might have had temporary registration plates, but that doesn't come up in any of the news articles what that has to do with anything. Um, but it says the Cleveland Division of the Police and... A Yahuga County uh, has issued an Amber Alert for the missing child named Kashawn Williams. He was last seen at 5719 Fleet Avenue wearing cream-colored jogging pants with white and blue lettering and gray Jordan tennis shoes. The suspect's name is unknown. The involved vehicle is described as a black Jeep SUV with temporary license plates. Um, now, like I said mm-hmm. in the uh, in the news article, mm-hmm. which I'll, I'll switch over to that, it doesn't say anything about... Um, him getting into a vehicle i don't know if it's maybe an associate they thought he might have been with um yeah June with an amber alert still active uh and there will be canvassing event on saturday well this is from september right so this is still a while ago um on the night of june 17th 15 year old Kishan williams called his mother letting her know that he was on his way home However, Kashan never made it home. Instead, he was reported missing on June 20th, uh, sparking an Amber Alert. Uh, there's currently a $10,000 reward for information on the teen's whereabouts. 
After he was last seen in the Slavic Village neighborhood, Sergeant Wilfredo Diaz, public information officer for the Cleveland Division of Police, says authorities are still actively investigating his disappearance. Currently, all the investigative leads that we have received have been vetted, Diaz said. Our detectives are working around the clock with officers and federal partners to go through every single lead that we get. Now police are asking anyone who may have information or anyone who may have seen something to speak up. It's difficult, especially when it's a juvenile, Diaz admitted in this particular case. We're all invested in this from the chief down. We're all concerned about this. We're working as hard as we can. But we ask the public if someone has any information, anything that may come to mind that they <clears throat> may have seen that night, the day of anything they've heard, reach out to, reach out to us, give us that information. And it'll be thoroughly vetted by our detectives. Diaz tells uh, Three News there are two detectives assigned to the case who have been working around the clock. They're constantly communicating, he added. We also have some federal partners that are assisting with the resources. Any situation we get where they're required additional resources, they're able to reach out. And whether it's additional patrols or anything that needs to be done, we're working on that as well. We're not holding back. Um <clears throat> The division is actively, we actively want to bring Kashan back home. The Ambler Alert on Williams is still active, and those involved in the efforts to find him, including Newburgh Heights Police Chief and Cleveland Missing Board uh, President John Majoy, I believe, want to get the word out. Not everybody is aware of the case, so we're going to try to make them aware of the case, Majoy said earlier this week. Someone might say, hey, I just saw him the other day, or, you know, I saw someone who saw someone or whatever uh, the case is. I mean, it's uh, this is how cases get solved. They'll be canvassing uh, event to distribute flyers in the Slavic village neighborhood at 1 PM Saturday. Okay. We, yeah. Uh, it's difficult because like any investigation, we get pieces. It's like a puzzle. We have to put it together. Diaz said some leads are not necessarily good leads, but we still have to vet them. So those are time consuming. Those are really difficult parts of the, of investigations. It's making sure that every single thing is looked at thoroughly and vetted. Um, so most of that's, you know, just, you know, police talking uh, to themselves, but that's a question that I hear a lot on Facebook is, Oh, why didn't they issue an Amber alert for this person or that person? But uh, in this case they did because it's a minor, uh, they mm -hmm. believe that he was abducted. They have a vehicle description and that's when they do Amber alerts. They don't do it for every single um minor that's missing so sherry says ayla reynolds is always on my mind where's the poor child i'm sure she's passed but to be able to put her body to rest and closure for her family so they could begin healing so ayla's like that's the whole reason why i started doing this stuff uh, and trista just posted on her page the other day i'm friends with her mom trista uh, that unfortunately her civil suit has been pushed back another four or five months, her lawyer told her, which I don't understand that. It's been two years now trying to get through civil court with that case. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, Breezy. he's absolutely right. They'll never find that poor Ayla. It's sad, but the people who were at the house know what happened and will never talk. Absolutely agree. Uh, Jeff actually did, um, well, we we did an episode on season one about Ayla uh, with Donna Heisterman. And then we did a seven part mini series on Ayla Reynolds as well. Like each episode is about 15 minutes to a half hour long. Um, so those can be found on our podcast platform while we went through like the blood evidence, the uh, statement analysis. Well, that was with my wife, I guess the statement analysis one. 
Yes, one shout out for her. Yeah, we actually had her on as well. Um, was it alive? I don't. I don't. No, remember. it was, no, it was, it was the it was, very was... episode seven of that mini cast. Was Ayla? Uh, was Trista talking to us as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they were talking about the uh, the event they were mm -hmm. doing for right uh, the pink candles or pink lights or something like that for. Yes, the pink, pink light bulbs in the porches. Uh, Breezy, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, hindsight's 2020, and I've said this probably 50 times, and Jeff's probably sick of hearing me say it, but if PD and CPS had taken the other two kids that were in the home, that were allegedly in the home that night, I think that one of those other mothers would have talked. You know, either mm -hmm. Courtney or Alicia would have talked, and they didn't do that. Uh, to me, I feel like that and, protecting a well, child is... Yeah, the yep. a kid a kid going missing that night and then taking the kids like that's a, assuming assuming guilt. You know, I mean they cops as it is, they have to sort of walk on eggshells with certain things. I can see why they didn't, um, but yeah, like you said, hindsight. If they would have done something like that, yeah, they they probably could have gotten in some information out. But I think that's almost a hostage scenario. They probably would have been sued. Um, well, I don't know. Like, so you have a kid missing, her blood throughout the house. How how can they say those other kids were safe there? You know, Alicia lived in that house with her brother. I mean, you could say, well, the girlfriend actually had a house, uh, apartment in Portland, so she's as long as she's not there with him, then she's safe. I don't know, but I don't, I, I still think it's also neat is that uh, the DePetros follow our page. I'm, I'm pretty sure they keep changing the names up and they make little comments and they. Uh, complain to me about everything and that it's Trista's fault that she's missing which I wholeheartedly disagree with uh, so Justin's no longer in California he actually came back to Maine he was looking for a job down Lewiston last year uh, he was here for about four months and then he last I heard he's in Florida Yeah, so Breezy's agreeing with me. Not if the kids are, are not safe. Like, I think they, they have more reason to take those kids versus taking Ayla from her aunt, right? When Trista was in rehab, getting help, trying to make herself better. And that irritates me too, is the victim shaming that I see all the time. People blaming Trista because she's trying to do better for her kids. She certainly didn't ask for her child to go missing. Right. With that loser. Yeah, it sucks talking. Sucks talking about this sort of stuff, but mm. you have to. Someone I, has to. Wish you could see who's watching, because I'm sure they're they like to watch us. Uh, Sherry says, "Right, absolutely." Um, um for the. I've talked about this before, and I'm not psychic by any means, and I don't think I'm psychic, but uh, the whole reason uh, Ayla is so important to me is I had a dream about her like five days after she went missing uh, as to where she was. I've spent a lot of time myself looking in those in that same area for her. Uh, I don't think I'm crazy. Maybe I am. Yeah, a little but bit. The weird part is, is my now 11-year-old daughter, she was like a year and a half old, and 
we drove through that same spot. I told my wife where the spot was. We drive through that spot, and my daughter says, Daddy, there's a baby in the trees. It's like, what the hell? Like, so is it a boy or a girl? She said, it's a girl. And she misses her mommy. That killed me. So I got to go back again, Jeff. What are you doing next Saturday? Well, uh, until three, I'm working at the bar. Three after that, I don't work Sundays oh, anymore. Oh, well, I'll hang out at the bar with you until three, then we'll stumble through the woods. Absolutely. That works for me. <laughs> Sherry Adams, do you have a theory? There's this one theory that I keep going back to, but we've heard other things. Um, I think he got into something of his drug drug wise. Oh, I don't know if my wife, my wife probably didn't like me saying that about our kid. Um, I don't know if she got into his drugs and overdosed. I know a lethal dose of heroin can cause vomiting of blood, uh, which would explain if this blood splatter, maybe someone in my head, someone's picking her up, like patting her back and she's vomiting blood um, or something. Oh, no, Danielle said no, the bar. That's what she was upset about. <laughs> um, but then we had a tip that... So first of all, I don't think that she went missing when they said that she went missing. I'm pretty sure she went missing the Friday before. Uh, Thursday night, Trista had spoken to Ayla and she was fine. Uh, she called back on Saturday and that's the night that Justin claims that she was too busy watching Home Alone, which... A 20-month-old baby's not going to care about the movie Home Alone. Uh, and then Monday, she missed her doc's appointment. The only one to see her outside of that home that week was uh, Tadula. And he's also the guy that sold Justin the... Oh, are you talking to someone, Jeff? <laughs> yes, I was talking to Shelly. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also the one that sold the life insurance policy to to Justin, so. That's what I think happens. Uh, one of the tips we got into our into our uh, email was that the Friday night before, there was a card game going on and Ayla was downstairs and they had put up like a gate, baby gate over the doorway. Uh, she came to the top of the doorway, was crying for her father or whatever. And he got upset and Came over and like kicked the gate, and then she tumbled down backwards and hit her head and and died. It's just sad, and and I'm pretty sure that's what Trista thinks happened as far as overdose theory as well. Um, but I, I don't want to speak for her, but that's I'm pretty sure that's what she had said. Oh, my my kitty cats are fighting. I will say this. No, I won't. Never mind. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna tell you something else I'd heard, but I don't really. Yeah, we. That guy. Yeah. That guy we're we're careful that. enough with it as it is. We, we try to let guests know that they have to watch what they're talking about, or ask them to use certain language when they're talking about their assumptions and stuff. So we have to be careful as well when it comes to our opinions. But if it is an opinion, it is what it is, right? We can say we think something happened. <laughs> Sherry, you can message the page after and I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to mention that guy's name because he's 
one of the plays that he mentioned being involved, but it's an interesting theory. All right, do you guys have any other questions or comments for us before we sign off for the night? Yeah, we, we know that this week was maybe a little bit on the uh, slower side, but we're gonna Rough. we're gonna keep doing this every week. Now, I I thought it, I I still think it went okay. Um, yeah, we're we'll try to get uh, guests on as often as we can, but I th- still think it's important that we at least get on here and we talk about some of the people that are currently missing or bring up some older cases that maybe people aren't talking about just to just so that there are people still talking about it right i know that i would appreciate that if i had a family member that was missing that there's still some people out there trying to to bring it to others attention um well thank you breezy that's um, i wish to say first live you've seen and for sure tune in again we appreciate that oh cool yeah definitely watch last week breezy if you're into the alex uh, Jackson case, it's a crazy case, and uh, there's lots of comments under that video last week that you might find interesting as well. Oh, she loves the podcast too. Thanks, Sherry. I think Thank what we're going to start doing, just so we have more consistent output, is doing these lives, but then putting them on the podcast platform as well, just to get some more uh, material out there. Um, I wanted to re- say real quick about the Ayla Reynolds mini cast that we did, the different episodes. So one is the timeline. So it breaks down, you know, the dates and times of everything that happened. Uh, episode two is the blood evidence. Episode three is the statement analysis of the 911 call. Uh, let's see. Episode four is the life insurance policy that was sold to Justin. Episode five is the mistakes that were made. In the investigation episode six is dhhs's involvement and we had a special guest come in and talk about that and episode seven is remembering ayla with special guest trista reynolds and breezy was asking uh where are the pod case at uh, no, a podcast? We... yeah the, yeah, the so... podcast it's on facebook youtube spotify um like any of the the major podcasting platforms you can find us just look up locating the lost um pretty much our entire collection has been on youtube or it's been re-uploaded onto youtube yep yeah any anywhere you can find a podcast you can find us so make sure to your friends if they're into this sort of sort of thing so yeah absolutely Uh, um the more people we get involved in our page the more likely these cases will be solved and and people will be found <laughs> thank <Aww>. you daniel <laughs> daniel's my wife um but okay guys well thank you very much for tuning in and uh, and we'll see you again next weekend um and we'll have the same sort of setup, you know, where people will be able to, to call in and, and ask questions. I know we didn't have anyone calling in tonight, but maybe next week we'll be uh, level a little more activity. And uh, we'll be speaking with our first official podcast guest, uh, which will be nice to, to circle back with her and, and talk to her again. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lucha Blander's wife, um, Linda. So that would be great because like Jeff was saying, she's our very first podcast we ever did four years ago was with her on Luger's case. So they'll be neat to talk to her again. Yeah. Um, but okay, guys. Well, thank you very much for, for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. Okay. Thank you. All right.